It was a cold January morning, and I was not here. I was in another state, and I was getting ready to take a four-mile run, and something happened to me that morning that has never happened before. Hasn't happened since. Probably has not happened to you. Hope it never happens to you. Put on my tennis shoes and a new pair of tennis shoes, and the shoelaces were too long, very long laces, big loops. And I looked at them, and I thought, you know, I should, like, double knot these, you know, but I don't want to look like I'm, you know, in the kindergarten. And so I, I didn't. I, I didn't double knot them. So I take off running, and I'm halfway, maybe two miles into this. I, I don't know how this happened, but I got my right shoe in my left shoelace loop, okay? I'm not kidding you. It was bad. And so my right shoe is in my left shoelace, and you're like, like this, you can't, you're locked up. You can't move. And all of a sudden, I mean, I'm enjoying the run. I'm hearing, you know, Julie Andrews, the sound of music. I'm praying. I'm having a kumbaya moment. And the next thing I know, I am doing the alligator death roll through the street. I'm in the middle of this street, and I can remember there was a car coming. Happened to be a lady brand new Volvo. I'm in the center of the street and she comes up, pushes the button, window goes down and she asks the most idiotic question (laughs) of all time. What does she ask? Are, yeah, are you okay? And I'm going, and I said, I'm thinking, what I'm thinking is, I'm so glad you don't go to my church (laughs) because you're not very smart or very spiritual. And I'm going, So all I could say, I'm thinking, am I attached? Am I broken? I don't know. And all I could say was, I I don't know. And she said, okay, and she drove off. (laughs) True story. Now I'm ticked, okay? I'm broken and I'm ticked at the same time. So I had to repent before I had communion the next week. No, no doubt about that. But I've thought about that true story several times in my life because there's a whole lot of things out there that can trip us up. You can start listing the economy and jobs and war and prices, and you can just out there, you know, there's foolish people and there's evil people. There's a whole bunch of things out there that can trip you up. But there's also a whole bunch of things right in here that can really trip you up. Pride, ego, insecurities, home backgrounds, all kinds of gunk and junk out there and in here. So when Jesus said to the disciples, it is for your good that I am going to go away. Because if I go away, I will send to you a helper. None of the guys believed him. Are you kidding? We're going to be better off without you? No, 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 no. See, with, with you, without you, right? With you, without you. They're thinking, okay, oh my goodness, you can walk on water. You can raise the dead. You can feed the multitudes. There's no way we're ever going to be better off without you. And of course, Jesus was talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, And how the Holy Spirit's coming, and when the Holy Spirit would come, greater things than you could ever dream or imagine would occur because of the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That's what we're going to talk about the next six weeks, the next six Sundays. If you're new to church and you don't understand most of this, you know, and you're sitting there thinking, I'm going to listen to a guy who can't even tie his shoes. I get that. I get that. Just, just be patient with us, and let's, let's get through a few of these weeks together. But I think most of us in the room, if we took a test, we'd probably get maybe a B minus if we had some questions about God. Maybe, maybe we'd do a little better with, with Jesus. With Jesus, we might get a B plus or maybe an A minus. But probably with the Holy Spirit, wouldn't we be like a C or maybe a C minus? And, and, and it's something that, that we struggle with. All right, I want to show you a verse that really talks about all three of the Godhead, and we call it the Trinity, although the word Trinity is never, ever found in the Bible. But here's the Trinity. Here's the three. Look at this from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I don't want you to focus on grace. I don't want you to focus on love. I don't want you to focus on the word fellowship. In this one verse, though, I want you to see Jesus Christ, there's the Father, there's God, and there's the Holy Spirit. And so this is called the Trinity, and you see the three. Jesus says in John chapter 16, it's for your good. Let's look at what he says. I'm telling you nothing but in the truth, but when I say it is profitable, it's good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because, because guys, if I don't go to the cross... If I don't go away, the comforter, counselor, there's our word, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, if I don't go away, he won't come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. All right, sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Two chapters before this, Jesus says something very similar. He says this, and I will, if if I go away, guys, I'm going to ask the Father, And he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. So, like, who is this spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive? Because it does not see him or know him or acknowledge him. But but guys, you're going to know him. And you're going to recognize him. For he lives with you and he will be where? He will be in you. He will be in you. So the first question is this, like who or what is the Holy Spirit? Well, it's not a what, it's not an it, it's a he. The Holy Spirit is a he, and he is deity. He is a member of the Godhead. He is one of the Godhead. Let me show you two verses about this. He is God. The Lord and the Spirit are one and the same, and the Lord's Spirit sets us free. So God and the Spirit are the same. Look at the next verse. Eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has, through the Spirit, let us share his secret, for nothing is hidden from God. So who is, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a God. He is deity. Number two, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of life. You want to know where life comes from inside of you? Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says this. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, he is the giver of life to you. And thirdly, he is your great friend. He is your best friend. Look at the next verse. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend. 
so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world cannot take him in because it doesn't have eyes to look at him, doesn't know what to look for. But you know him already because he's been staying with you, and he will be where? He will be in you. Now, the Holy Spirit, this whole concept of the Holy Spirit, it's not like brand new. It's not like it just started like 2,000 years ago with Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God, and I want you to catch this. I think this will like wake you up, make you think about this, what I'm getting ready to say, because this, this is like huge. So, so the Holy Spirit of God, it, it's been there the whole time. It, it, it didn't just happen. Psalm 139 verse 7 says this, where can I go from your spirit? And he talks about how, where can I go? In Psalm 51, David says, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. So it's not just New Testament. It's not just Jesus. The Holy Spirit's been with us for a long, long time. Verse 2 of the entire Bible says the Spirit was there. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So when God said, let there be light, it was the Holy Spirit that created light. When God said, let there be, it was the Spirit of God. In verse 2 of the Bible, we see the Holy Spirit was active. Drop down a few more verses to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and he says, let us, let us make mankind. Well, who's the us? It's the Trinity. It's the Father. It's the Son. It's the Spirit. Incredible. Incredible how God works at that. And then Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 33. Jeremiah says, it's coming, baby. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. We're talking about God's secret. We're talking about God's plan. We're talking about God's purpose for his people. The days are coming. I'm going to make a new covenant with the, house of, with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It's not going to be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. Now, this is the covenant. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. This is the Holy Spirit inside of you. And I will be on their hearts. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And so here comes Jesus. Jesus lives his life. He's getting ready to die. He tells the guys, don't leave. Just wait because the gift is coming. Look at this in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 says this. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Now, I love this. Because for 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he was still on the earth. For 40 days, he gave convincing appearances that he was still alive. For 40 days, Jesus, you know, ate with people, talked with people, did life with people. We have 11 post-resurrection appearances that are recorded. We have thousands of people who saw Jesus as a resurrected Savior. Amazing story. And so Jesus, he said, he appeared to them, or he appeared to 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. But here's what he said in verse 4. He said, guys, I'm eating with you guys. He gave this, this command, do not leave Jerusalem. Well, like, we're ready. Let's build a church, baby. Let's evangelize. Let's do mission work. Let's spread the good word. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Do not do that. Don't go build a church. Don't leave. Don't do anything. Do not leave Jerusalem. 
But you wait. You wait for the gift that my Father has promised. So Jesus said, don't go out until you get the power of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, it was a church service that nobody wanted to miss. The Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 comes with a vengeance. And these guys start teaching and preaching and evangelism. They go from cowards to courageous. They go from a bunch of chickens to, you know, they're willing to die for Jesus. And they set the world on fire because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the rest of the book of Acts is really a story about the acts of the Holy Spirit working through uh, the apostles and how the Holy Spirit is meant to work in your life and how the Holy Spirit's meant to work in my life. So I, I think we're kind of curious about this Holy Spirit. I I'm not sure we know what to do with it. I'm not sure we know how to embrace it. And so for six weeks, we're going to talk about that very thing. Now, we're curious about the human spirit because we all have one. Everybody in this room has a human spirit. It's your personality. It's your mind, your will, and your emotion. And if there's 900 people in this room right now, there's 900 different spirits, human spirits in this room. So, so we write about personalities, and she's a sanguine, and he's a caloric, and he's a phlegmatic, and he's a melancholy. I mean, we're, we're curious about all that stuff. Not only are we curious about the human spirit, but we're also curious about evil spirits. Our country is fascinated by evil spirits. You make a new horror flick, people go to it. It makes millions and millions and millions of dollars. People are fascinated by evil. And, and, and you've been in touch with evil. You've walked into a room, you've brushed by somebody, and the hair on the back of your neck just stands up and you're going, whoa, what was that? It's not my wife, it's not my husband. No, 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 no. The relationship series is over, okay? Um, it's some, something that you didn't see or smell coming, and you're going, oh, that's not, that's not of God. So if, if we're fascinated by the human spirit, and we've brushed up against the evil spirit, why wouldn't we make it our life's goal to figure out how the Holy Spirit can work in our lives? Well, that's what, that's what we want to do. We, we want to figure that out. Now, I don't know if this helps you or not, but this helps me. I picture God as the architect. I picture Jesus as the project manager. Jesus said, I will build my church. Not even the gates of Hades would prevail against it. And I picture the Holy Spirit then as kind of like the worker, the worker bee, see? Now, why do I do that? Well, where is God today? He's not on this earth. God's not on this earth. Every reference to Scripture, God is on his throne. Where is Jesus today? I never correct anybody when they say Jesus is in my heart. I'm cool with that. I'm good with that. But you never find a reference for that. You always find Jesus seated at the right hand of his dad. One time you find him standing when Stephen was being stoned. Every reference in Scripture, the Father is in heaven. Every reference in Scripture, the Son is seated except for one, and he's standing all at the right hand of the throne of God. The Holy Spirit, however, is here on this earth. And it's the Holy Spirit that wants to work in your life and in your heart to open doors, to help you with temptations, to help you with your challenges. It's the Holy Spirit that's here. God's the architect. Jesus is the project manager. But the Holy Spirit, he's the electrician. He's the carpenter. 
He's the landscaper. He's the one getting it done here on this earth. So this is why we're going to talk about this for six weeks. Because the Spirit of God is alive and well inside of you if you're a believer. And that's that's who's nudging you. That's who's telling you to speed up. That's who's telling you sometimes to slow down. That's who's telling you to go forward. That's who's telling you to go a little bit this way. The Holy Spirit of God will reveal truth. He'll reveal direction. He'll reveal everything you need in your life to to do all the things he's called you to do. So that's what we're going to talk about for for the next uh, six weeks. Now, you got a bulletin, and I want to share with you ten dimensions to the personality of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually has a personality, and there's at least 10 different dimensions to him. Here's dimension number one. The Holy Spirit has a mind. Romans says this, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. So one of the dimensions of the personality of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit has a mind. See, see, he's not an it. He's not an entity. He is a deity who is very, very, very personal. Number two, he has a will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 says, All these are the works of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them. I lost that over the tail. What's that say? And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. So, in other words, the Spirit has a will for you, and he's given you certain gifts He's putting you in certain families. He's putting you in certain neighborhoods. He's putting you in certain work cubicles. The Holy Spirit has a will for where you're supposed to be. Now, I think it's kind of odd that sometimes we're just like kicking and fighting and screaming and pushing and we don't like what we're doing or where we're at when probably it's the Holy Spirit going, will you just relax? I put you there. I put you right where you are. I'm going to use it for my purposes. Number three, he has emotions. He has love, joy, and peace. The Holy Spirit has emotions. And the more the Holy Spirit you have in your life, the more love and joy and peace you have. You see a peaceless believer? You see a joyless believer? You see a believer that's not really very full of the Holy Ghost, okay? Number four, He encourages, Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Go down to that middle sentence. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's come to encourage your marriage, to encourage your parenting, to encourage your your morality, to encourage your witness. The Holy Spirit's always at work in your life. The next one says he speaks. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to talk the whole 30 minutes about how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, speaking to you, speaking to you. Two quick verses on that. So, as the Holy Spirit says. In other words, the Holy Spirit can speak. And number two, out of 1 Timothy, the Spirit clearly says. We're going to talk about that for an entire 30 minutes coming up in just a couple of weeks. Now, the next one is one you don't want to do. He can be lied to. You can lie to the Holy Spirit. I don't suggest it. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Not a good thing to do. Yes, you can lie. Number seven, he can be made to feel sorrow. And again, we're going to talk about this. You can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You don't want to do this. 
You don't want to grieve God's Spirit. He lives inside of you. You grieve the Holy Spirit inside of you, it actually impacts and affects you in a great way. And do not grieve the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. The Holy Spirit can be insulted. You can insult the Holy Spirit. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? who is treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the spirit of grace. Again, that's not something you want to do, right? You don't want to insult the spirit of grace. Now, I have a lot of grace for you this morning. So I I don't want you walking out here today feeling bad or feeling guilty. If you've been in church in 20 years and you've not heard some of this, I don't want you to feel bad. It's our, it's our fault as teachers and preachers, okay? It's our fault. But I want you to walk out of here going, you've got a friend who sticks closer to you than your own breath. You've got the Spirit of God inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit of God Now, how do you get that? Well, you get it because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You can't work it out. You can't can't somehow qualify for it. But the reason you get the Spirit of God is because Christ's blood was so potent that it's forgiven all your sins, past, present, and even future. You go, well, I don't feel very worthy. I get that. I don't feel very clean. I'm, I'm with you. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus' blood has cleansed you of all your unrighteousness. And so the Spirit of God is inside of you, and you don't want to insult Him. How insulting to be ungrateful for what He's trying to do in your life. Number nine, He can be resisted. And again, I, I just don't think we get this. I don't think we think about this. You see, the Spirit of God, let me read this first. You stiff-necked people, it's a great way. He, he never went to the Dale Carnegie uh, classes, by the way. Your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Now, I guarantee you, every one of us in this room, we have resisted. I, I guarantee it. Because you've had God go, ding, 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 I want you to do this. And you've gone, I don't think that's of God. No, I don't think that's of God. No. Yeah, I'm preaching to the choir this morning, aren't I? You get that. Or you've had the Holy Spirit say, don't do that. Don't, don't call her back. Don't text him. Are you kidding? And you've called and you've texted. And he wasn't kidding, was he? Every one of us in this room, we have resisted the Holy Spirit. Resisted. Go up there and invite so-and-so to church. Go up there. Are you kidding me? I can't invite him to church. I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's what I want you to do. You can resist. Also, he teaches. He teaches. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. See, the Spirit wants to teach you and wants to inform you. All right, now what's all this got to do with you? It's got everything to do with you because it was God's plan from day one. Day one, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the surface of the waters. Let us make man in our image. I'm going to take Adam and I'm going to breathe into Adam the breath of life. And so here comes Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 37. And God takes him out to this valley of dry bones. And the valley is filled with dead bodies. It's a cemetery. And they're not just barely dead. They're real dead. They're dry. 
dry bones. Not just barely dead, dry bones. There's this whole cemetery. And God says to Ezekiel, he says, Ezekiel, can, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel goes, I don't know. Only you know, God. And so God said, here's what you're going to do. Prophesy. I'm going to breathe into them, and these dead bones are going to live. He prophesied. And all of a sudden, it's that old song, you know, the ankle bones connected to the leg bone, the leg bones to the knee bone. All of a sudden, there's this rattling sound, and all these dead bones come alive. It's a great picture of you, because outside of Christ, you are dead in your sins and trespasses. But inside of Jesus Christ, you are cleansed of all unrighteousness. And then he breathes into you. Then he pours into you. And then all of a sudden, what begins to happen is all those dry areas and all those dead areas in your life, he begins to transform them. So don't, don't resist him. He, he's working. He's working on your morality. He's working on your, your bitterness. You got some issues back here, forgiveness somewhere back here. He's working on the forgiveness issues. He's working on every phase of your life. If you're self-centered and life's all about you, he's working on that inside of you. The giant misconception is that we can live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Why would you? How, How burdensome and wearisome that would be. Dreary. And you know what a church would be like without the Holy Spirit? It's just a social institution, just a religious club. That's all a church would be without the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit has come to live in your life. I want you to think of three buses. Three buses. Bus number one. And we're all in one of these three buses. How many of us, we've, we, all of us, we've ridden in a school bus? Everybody in the room, raise your hand. You've ridden in a school bus, city bus. Anybody in the room not ridden in a bus? You've not missed anything if you haven't. Okay, all three services, everybody's ridden in a bus. Okay, you're in one of three buses. But bus number one is, it's my bus, and I'm driving the bus. I drive it as far as I want. I drive it as fast as I want. I drive my bus where I want. I stop off the rest areas when I want to. I stop for gas. I stop for McDonald's. I wouldn't eat McDonald's. I stop for something. And it's your bus. You can stop where you want to stop. I'm not doing it God's way. I don't want God in my life. God's not in my life. I am God. I told you this story a couple Easter's ago. I invited this guy from the YMCA to come to church. And he said, "I, I don't do that. I said, well, have you ever changed your mind? He said, I'm not going to change my mind. He said, I am God. I said, run that by me one more time. He said, Kurt, he said, I think I am God. I said, I've never met God before in the face. That's amazing. So now every time he's running in our neighborhoods, we're kind of sacrilegious, but then he and I go, there goes God. (laughs) We laugh too. I hope God laughs. I don't know. I hope so. Forgive me, Holy Spirit. You could do that. I don't recommend bus number one. It's not a good bus to be in. Not a good bus. You can drive it. Bus number two is a pretty good bus. But bus number two is I'm in this bus and God's in the bus with me. God's in the bus. I'm in the bus. I've said yes to him and he's cleansed me and forgiven me, but I'm still driving. I, I'm, I'm driving. I'm driving the bus. God's in one of the seats in the bus, but, but, but I'm driving the bus. 
And what I do, I spend my time and my energy spiritually trying to get God to bless my bus. Because I'm driving my bus. And so, you know, I, I give and I read the Bible and I pray and I'm, I'm going to serve at vacation Bible school or whatever because I, I want God to bless my bus. So my prayers are, God bless me and help me and give me. And, and, and everything's still about me. It's still about me. It's not really about him. I know he's forgiven me, but it's still about me. Now, again, I'm not putting you down. Bus number two, I know bus number two. The first 10 years as a pastor, I, I was in bus number two. It's embarrassing. And I would have prayers like, you know, God, this is where the church is going to go, and I need you to kind of come alongside and bless, you know, because i got all these great ideas, and this is what you need to do. And God doesn't work that way. He doesn't work that way. He's bigger than that. See, bus number three is where you want to get to. I get this. If you're in bus number two and you're a brand-new Christian, I'm okay with that. But after about 10 or 12 years, you got to get out of the bus. And this bus number three is... God's driving this bus, and you're in this bus. God's driving it, and then this bus is completely different. You know, God, you put me in this neighborhood. What do you want me to do? You gave me this job. What do you want me to do? You put me with these kids, or, you know, these, I'm taking your aging parents. What do you want me to do? Bus number three is completely different from bus number two. Bus number three is every day I wake up and I'm going to surrender to you. Lord, what's in, I know I've got to go to work. I know I've got to go, you still got to go to school. Lord, I've got to do all these things. But what's in store for me today from you? I'm your man. I'm your woman. I'm your high school kid. I am all in for you. Now, what is it that we're going to do today? That's completely different. So when Jesus said, I'm going to send you the helper He's not saying, I'm going to send you the helper for bus number two. Because it's bus number three. I'm going to save you from all your sins for all of eternity so you can get involved in my kingdom. This is why I'm going to send you the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to come inside your life and transform those dry bones, and those, those dry areas, those dead areas. And I will get the glory for it because it's greater than what you can do. I think you want to be in bus number three. I think bus number three is the action. Bus number three is where it's at. I I get bus number two. I get it. Especially if you're new to all this. We're just glad you're in the bus. Bus number one, that bus is going over a cliff. That's not a good bus to be in. See, because eventually you won't be able to drive your own bus whether it's in this life or the next life, eventually this bus runs out of gas, okay? So here's the question. Where is the Spirit of God moving in your life? It's never to selfishness. It's never all about me. Where is the Spirit of God moving? And where, where is he trying to get rid of that dry bones and those, those valleys? Where, where, where is he at work in you? Don't resist him. You're our, if you're a Christian, you're already saved. You're already going to heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. Your spirit can't be any lily whiter if you're a Christian. It's already, sins are forgiven. So now as a believer in Christ, what, what do you want me to do? I'm yours. I, I'm yours. This is a gut check for all of us in the room. After first service, one of our elders 
came to me and he said, said, yeah, that's a good check. He said, I I think I'm a little more in bus number two than I ever thought of. I loved his humility. I loved that. One of our elders said, I gotta gotta get in bus number three a, a little bit greater. So this series, I hope you come back. Next week, you can all fit in my garage or something, okay? But this series is, we are literally just getting started this morning. And it will transform and it will change your life. But see, it isn't about you. It'll transform and change your life for Him. And so I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front at this time. And I'm going to ask you if you've never given your life to Jesus to do so today. If you've never been baptized by immersion, go out there August 17th. Go out to the guest service desk and sign up and we'll, 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 we'll baptize you by immersion on the beach on that Sunday afternoon. But I'm really asking you today to do a gut check. And maybe if you're stuck, you want some special prayer by somebody to pray with you and pray for you and pray over you. But the Spirit of God is moving in your life. No question about that. Now, to help you a little bit this week, with your 15 minutes with God and your bulletin, we've given you a little assignment each day about the Holy Spirit and how you can study and how you can grow. Lord Jesus, God the Father, Holy Spirit, we honor you. In your name we pray. Amen.